this week's episode. I'm not breaking it into multiple parts because we have a special guest reporter and I don't feel like editing it. It's going to be one big, huge, long file. So you guys don't get the peace of mind, the breaks, the timestamps, which I keep meaning to actually do but never will. It's all just one big, long chunk. Why don't you introduce yourself, special guest reporter? Well, I'm no fun musical interlude, but actually, you just introduced me. So. I didn't say who you were. I mean, at this point, I've been on how many episodes now? At least two, right? I think this is... I think this might be three. This, I, I think this is number three, yeah. But I should at least... My, my voice should be at least familiar enough for people to recognize that it's special guest reporter Sam. See, you can't just assume that people will know you because for a month I was referred to by the wrong name at work. They thought I was a guy who left last year. And I mean, just in the, in the confines of this podcast, I introduce myself every episode. That's true, that's fair. So, speaking of this podcast, what have you got for us today, special guest reporter Sam? I have illicit goods. Oom. Oh my. Explain. So, a few months ago at this point, there is a brand called, I believe it's just pronounced Mischief, but it's M-S-C-H-F. And they do limited product runs of really, like, off-the-wall items. And this particular drop I didn't want to pass up is chips, a line of chips that are flavored as food items that are illegal in the United States. So the three flavors that they produced were horse meat, uh, grabbing the box here. Because I always forget the name of the third one. So it is horse meat, fugu poison blow fish, and tasu marzu, maggot cheese. Ooh. Yummy. Yeah. At least the first two sound interesting. I'm actually like... I want to try the horse meat. Well, I have good news for you. The website was selling, you could buy each flavor individually, or there was a four pack where you got one flavor twice for a slightly cheaper price. And the random extra flavor that we wound up getting was the horse meat. Nice. But um, the brand does specifically note that when they were making these chips, they made sure not to use any of the actual ingredients to flavor them that are illegal. Right. So there's no actual maggot cheese in the maggot cheese flavored chips, but it's probably still not going to be great. Yeah, that one I feel a genuine repulsion towards. Yeah, I'm very nervous. 
These are also some pretty hefty bags, I feel like. I've seen I've seen the box in the picture you sent me and actually someone on Twitter I saw put like they ordered a box and I've seen the box but I haven't seen the bags like individually. I was sort of imagining like the $1 bag of chips you can find at a gas station, like the the small ones. Like a fundraiser they're, chips, you know? Yeah, they're a little bit bigger than that. I want to say cuz there's there's the tiny fundraiser chips. There's the normal size bag of chips that you can get just like sitting on the shelf at a grocery store. And then there's like the in-between size that maybe you would pick up to go with on your lunch. And then you get to the break room and you sit down and you have your sandwich and you crack open that bag of chips and get a quarter of the way through and you realize that's way too much. Yeah, the like dollar, oh geez, with inflation, it's like a dollar eighty-nine now, I think. Yeah. Like at the, towards the entrance end of the, uh, what do you call it? Of the, uh, cash register? Yeah. And not to split hairs, but as you said it, I was thinking about it. I think technically those are actually the normal size bags, and the ones that we always get are the party size. We grew up in a giant family. I mean, with seven people, party size is normal size. Yeah. Here, I just texted you a picture of the bag. It says it's three ounces. Oh, yeah, okay. I do also adore the bag itself. This is amazing. Yeah. So, the uh, horse bag is red, the fugu fish is blue, and the cheese one is yellow, of course. But they all have the same, like, overlay design of, here's a picture of the food that you're eating turning into chips. Uh, illegal chips. The borders where it's actually sealed are, like, caution tape. Which I, I think is that. a fun touch. Um, and then down in the bottom right-hand corner, there's a little alligator wearing a chef's hat, which... I guess was their mascot for this run. Um, just saying that, hey, these are the flavors that the government doesn't want you to try. These are the flavors the government doesn't want you to try. Hey kid, you ever taste a horse? Then if you flip it over on the back, it has all the nutrition facts and everything. Um, it does have the little warning label saying, Hey, heads up, this does not actually contain any insert ingredient here. And then there's a, another picture of the little alligator guy. And he's saying, Why let the law limit your palate? In France, you can get a horse steak. In America, though, Big Horse has conspired to prevent you from tasting this delicacy. Until now. So... I'm sure that probably changes with each package. Hmm. I wonder... Actually, why can't we eat horses? I'm not- I'm not gonna let that one 
We already have a planned tangent. I'm not gonna go down that rabbit hole. All right. So, horse chips. Chips. Uh, why don't you start by breaking us off a piece of the uh, nutrition facts? So, uh, a single serving size is about 54 chips, which is what they say is in the bag. So, you're getting a decent amount. Uh, it's 450 calories. Um, okay. 24 grams of fat, 3 grams of which are saturated, and 0 grams of trans fat. Uh, 0 cholesterol, 570 milligrams of sodium, 48 carbs, uh, 3 of which are fiber, 3 of which are sugars, and then 6 grams of protein. That's not bad for, for chips. Yeah. Alright. So, in America, we can't eat horse meat because it's not, um, la- horses aren't raised for consumption, so we don't have to track the medicines and other things that we give them. So, who knows what's in them and how toxic their meat is in America. Yeah, I mean, sorry, I'm so, looking at the back here and there's all kinds of stuff all printed over here, like, horsey, dangerous, illegal. Really leaning into the branding. I yeah. like it. All right, so. Hang on a second. Okay, can you say something? Yeah. Okay, cool. My, I need to get a new pair of headphones because these ones, the wire is getting really old and if it gets knocked just the wrong way, the whole thing disconnects. Right, okay. Yeah, I, yeah. I had headphones like that. Yeah, maybe that's what I'll tell Neil to get me for my birthday, is just new headphones. But let's crack into these chips. Alright. Start us off by telling us how it smells. When you open it, how does the how do the bags smell? How do the chips smell? Oh my god. Yeah? It's interesting. I had the thought before I took a sniff, because I looked inside the bag and I was like, oh, they kind of look like barbecue chips. But then I took a whiff of it and... It was distinctly not barbecue. There's definitely something a little sour there. It's not like... It's It's almost like vinegar, that smell, but a little bit stronger. Somewhere in between vinegar and like bo. Uh, could it could it possibly be the smell of horsey sauce? You get that right. Yes, yes, I do. Okay, there was there was a dead silence on your end, and I was like, oh, oh, did that not land? No, you. <laughs> I feel like emotionally, you should have been able to see my face in the silence. Oh, I absolutely could. I I pictured it 100%. Just, yeah. <laughs> Stupid. Uh, there's one really giant chip here on top, and I'm too intimidated to eat it. I want to find a smaller one. I love 
the huge unbroken chips. They give me power. It's gotten to the point where, like, when I have a bag of chips, if if there are enough big unbroken pieces, those are the only ones I eat. I don't eat the crumbs anymore. I've ascended. I'm a big boy. Dry. And I mean, like, I get that they're chips, but it's not like, oh, it's, you know, just a chip. It's more like something with the flavor powder on these has a drying factor to it. Like, I feel like mm. I need a glass of water. Weird. Without seeing the ingredients list, I can't really guess. Uh, could it possibly... Is Does it say that there's, like, a bunch of cornstarch on them, maybe? Or cornmeal or corn flour or whatever it'll say? Uh... Potatoes, vegetable oil, salt, seasoning, a lot of seasoning. There's like trace amounts of cornstarch mixed in with a few of the seasoning things, but by itself as like a main ingredient, there's not really anything like that. Which... Honestly, I'm kind of glad that I am reading the ingredients list now because it does make a little bit more sense what I'm tasting and what I was smelling. So. It does have, flavor-wise, it doesn't really taste like meat. It has a little bit of like a weird salty tang to it. Um, and... It makes sense now because the ingredients list says that two of the main flavor, like, profiles are salt and vinegar seasoning, which that tracks, and beef seasoning. Like, oh. yeah, the stuff you would get in, like, the cheap ramen noodle packets. Yeah, the beef bullion, which mentally I always... I, I don't know why it's called bullion. I mean, isn't that, like, gold? So, bullion is gold? And then, bouillon, like, with the y sound, is the seasoning. Despite yes. the fact that I think they're spelled close to the same way. That's right. Uh, yeah. The, uh, have been... A little too, uh, I've been out of the house too long. I've been with people who say words wrong too frequently. I've forgotten my roots of advanced reading. Reading at a college level when I was in the sixth grade. I've lost that raw potential. We lost that potential when we graduated high school. <laughs> oh God, sometimes I feel like Sometimes I think I lost that potential when I graduated middle school. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, so... I mostly taste the salt and vinegar with these with, like, a little kick of something else. Like, maybe an aftertaste of tomato, sort of? Hmm. But, like really processed tomato, almost like a ketchup kind of thing. 
I don't I don't really get any kind of meat flavor from it. Interesting. So maybe it's more of I mean, I guess without being able to eat horse meat and compare, maybe it's more of like horse meat seasoning flavored. Yeah. Yeah, like, that could that could be it. Oh man, there's there's something. Oh, wait, yeah, duh. Um there's an eggplant dish here. It's um I can't remember how exactly to say it, but reading the characters, it's it's called like fit uh, fish scented eggplant or something. Sometimes it can be meat instead of eggplant, but it's like it uses the seasonings that you would use on fish, but on uh, the eggplant instead. So it it's maybe like that. It's not horse meat flavor, but it's horse meat flavoring flavor. I could see that. I'm I'm still stuck on your freaking horsey sauce joke. I'm so mad about that. <laughs> horsey sauce. Thanks, Grandma. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I don't know. I think overall, at least for these ones, they kind of missed the mark on it. And these were honestly- mm, okay, now I'm scared. Now that I'm starting to say that sentence, I'm a little bit scared. Because these ones were the ones that I was the most excited to taste, just because it was like... the most normal and appealing sounding of the three. I'm still terrified of the cheese one. Um, and then the fish one, I don't know how that's gonna go. Granted. I actually do like seafood. I like fish stuff. So I'm in a little bit of a better position to taste that one than you are. But still. Yeah, I'm not exactly heartbroken that I'm missing out on that flavor. I hope so. at the very <laughs> least that if they miss the mark on the cheese one, that they steer harder towards the cheese flavor and not the maggot flavor. Yeah, go tor go harder into like cheese it territory. Yeah, that would certainly be much better received. <laughs> All yeah. right. Yeah. Well, no, I'm just gonna go off on a tangent. I was just because I'm looking around and the upstairs where my desk is is much more decorated now than it was like any of the last couple times that I've sent you pictures of this area so I just I have to send you an update later on how it all looks because it's really nice well I mean I'm gonna come see it in person and you know not too terribly wrong long right that's true yeah uh um so there's more than just the illegal chips flavor that I brought you on today for. 
As promised last week, this week we are going to be talking about the hit, the controversial franchise of novels and films from the late 2000s and early 2010s, The Twilight Saga. And I'll explain to the audience why this is. I think I mentioned it last episode, but every year for the last three years, on New Year's weekend, you know, like plus or minus a few days, just because, you know, like if New Year's is on like a Tuesday, I still have to work. They, they hate us foreigners here. They don't care about our holidays. They don't care. They, they usually do care, but we don't get New Year's off usually. But it was on a week, it was on Saturday this year. So we were able to spend literally the entire day watching all five Twilight movies back to back without stopping. And let me say, before we even talk about anything, I'm just gonna upfront say the first three movies make for a good movie marathon. Like the first two, if you watch the first two back to back, then it's good. Like, you you feel fine. The third one, after you watch three in a row, you're like, yeah, okay. The story isn't necessarily at a natural concluding point, but as for watching movies back to back, it's like, seven, seven and a half hours worth of watching movies nonstop, this is physically a good point to stop. But then you realize, oh, you still got two more to go. You still got two more movies to go. You're not done yet. And then you watch one more movie. You watch Breaking Dawn Part 1. And your body says, okay, I cannot watch one more movie. We are at like... We are at... oh man i don't know nine hours ten hours i don't know it's long it's a lot it's a lot of movies you watch you watch four movies in a row your body's like okay i'm shutting down now if you watch another movie i will kill you and then you queue up breaking dawn part two it is a physically exhausting movie marathon so we do that every year not me and uh, special guest reporter Sam, but the people that I live with and hang out with over here in China. We do that every year. And so I brought on special guest reporter Sam because back in the day when they were new, she read the Twilight novels. When the books first released, I timed myself. A historian. I timed myself to see how fast I could read them, while still actually reading and fully absorbing them. Would you happen to remember what your time was? It's a couple hours. I want to say, I think the third or the fourth book took me four or five hours. All right. I think so, that was the last book, actually. Yeah, the fourth book took me yeah. about four or five hours. 
they got a lot of hate. They got a lot of hate. And I am going to be charitable to the population and say most of it was because it's like a global phenomenon. Every culture shares the single goal of hating teenagers and everything that they like. So that's where half of the hate came from. And then the other half is people who read the subtext of the actual text. Because if you read it just like flat out, then it's like, it's not too difficult of reading. It's not, it's actually not too pretentious. But when you start to think about like the subtext, then it gets a little weird and not, not for the reasons that people like to joke about. But it gets weird. But then if you read, like, if you take a step back, if you're still mentally in-universe, but you take a step back and you look, you survey the whole, like, scene, you know? You survey everything while still in the framework of the universe, then it starts making a little more sense. And let's dive into this idea with number one, Twilight. Feel like just going along with your intro, I feel like there's just this iceberg of the different layers of what is going on with this. Yes. Uh you can you can go ahead and open with your feelings on it. Your thoughts. I mean, the series in general or t Twilight the first specifically? Um yeah, why not both? You can start with the series in general and then hone in on Twilight the first. So the series in general, there's good and there's bad to it, honestly. Like, there's parts of the world building that I do genuinely find fascinating. But then the story itself centered on two of the most boring characters it could have possibly picked and just everything with the two of them with Bella and Edward not great if you just took the two of them out of the story though it would be so much better it would be so cool but with Twilight 1 specifically, I think the best way to summarize it is that it is the closest book in the series to feeling like a genuine fan fiction. I... Did Twilight start off as a fan fiction of something? Because I sort of got that vibe too. Or was so... it just like... I want to say, because I know Fifty Shades was originally a Twilight fanfiction, and right. then for publishing they just changed the names to two different uh, two different characters. But as for if Twilight was a fanfiction, 
God, I feel like there's something with Anne Rice here, but I'd have to double check. Because it definitely has that... It has, like... Uh, how do I... The whole story has the energy. It has the feeling of, like, not someone's first fan fiction, but definitely not, like, a double digits. Like, not to show my hand here, but as you read more fan fiction, you can tell, like, oh, this is this person's, like, first or second fan fiction versus they've written 30 fanfics and like Twilight sort of feels like someone's maybe 6th or 7th fanfic it's a bit more refined and like she knows what to say and like what to focus on and what can be left by the wayside what to build up and what to just casually mention. But just her general prose, her writing style is still incredibly simplistic. And there's not, there's not like a single twinge of self-awareness that comes with, you know, writing 20 or 30 fanfics. It's still entirely earnest with just a little bit of experience. So I looked it up. And the general consensus is that Twilight started as an original work. But I am on BuffyBoards.com Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Oh yes. And... I just want to read the first post in this forum topic to you because the entire topic of this is did Twilight, the novel, not the arc, start as a fanfic? This is written by BuffyBoards.com user Flo. October 20th, 2017. Hi guys, in some other thread, someone, I'm not sure who it was, mentioned that Stephanie Meyer used to write bangle fanfic before she became the multi-million dollar worth author of the Twilight Saga. I have read the Twilight Saga, and I read a lot of fanfic, and yes, there is definitely a feeling of at least the first book being a typical fanfic where Buffy is just human and not the Slayer. A girl single child and her parents are divorced, moves to a new town and starts at a new high school. At first, she's a bit insecure, but soon she makes friends. One of them is a werewolf. There's also a mysterious, handsome, dark-haired guy whom she meets sometimes and to whom she is instantly drawn to. He clearly is weird in some way, but he also helps her out a lot and saves her life. There was this near-car accident very early where Edward pushed Bella away. And at first she has no clue that he's a vampire, but when she finds out, she has already fallen in love with him. And by the way, he's a good vampire who does not feed off humans, but lives on animal blood diet instead. 
He has fallen in love with her even before she did. And for a couple months, they hold hands, kiss, date, and everything is just fine. And then he dumps her because he wants her to have a normal life. From there on, her story takes a quite different turn, but I can completely imagine this story to have started out as bangle fanfic that just has a Buffy without Slayer powers. If you think of it that way, even the names Buffy and Bella are so similar that it is almost ridiculous. But Stephanie Meyer has stated that she never saw a single episode of Buffy before she wrote Twilight. What do you think? Can you imagine her story to have been a fanfic once? Signed, Flo. But I feel like that's a really, really good breakdown of why this book feels like fan fiction. And also just a good, you know, summary of the first book itself. Oh, wow, that was a lot. Um, yeah, um... <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. It's, I mean, like, it's a lot to comprehend, not like... Hmm. Long post, yeah. Also, I looked up what is... I, I figured contextually that Bangle is a ship name, but I haven't watched any Buffy the Vampire Slayer and fanpop.com slash club slash Buffy the Vampire Slayer. They're only telling me... The only thing I have is... Which do you like better, Spuffy or Bangle? I like Spuffy the better, although David Boreanaz is also cute. That's an actor. That's not a character. That's that's a guy. Oh. Oh, this person just spelled it wrong. Um I think cuz Bangle's an actual thing. I think the ship name is supposed to be Bangel because there's a guy who's an angel. He is an angel from heaven, from the Christian heaven, named Angel. Very on the nose, but you know what? That would make sense. Yeah, it definitely. Although Bangle does, Bangle's easier to say, but whenever people write Bangle, they don't spell it like angel with a B at the front. They spell it like the accessory. Which is just not the guy. But, uh, yeah. Hmm. 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 You know what confuses me, though? Hit me. How is this person, how is Flo saying that Stephanie Meyer used to write Angel fanfiction, but also never watched Buffy? Um, the same way that that one person on Twitter, the screen cap I sent you the other day, thinks that My Hero Academia is an underground, uh, what was the phrasing that they used? An under, like, a underground hit or whatever, a sleeper hit or something? Yeah, <laughs> that's fair. Or basically any Genshin Impact like shippers probably have never even they're not even aware that it's a game they just sh ship the characters yeah I'm just, I'm just trying to think though because when these books came out 
we were in you i think you might have been at the end of middle school start of high school and i was definitely in like mid high school so like 2010 2011 still fairly early on in the internet age like maybe yes you know there was buffyboards.com that Meyer could have gone on to and like done some research or whatever seen some pictures of these characters together but like it's I feel like it wouldn't have been as easy to just start doing things for characters of a show that you've never experienced than it is now yeah that's a hundred percent fair um all right so i specifically wanted to i've been thinking about this i've ah god as someone who's now seen the movies like i've seen the entire saga four full times and as much as i don't want to i've been forced into taking oh and i've i've read the i've read all the books once um, I've been forced into defending it when it comes up in conversation with people who haven't read it and have like half watched the movies. I Again, I don't want to be defending Twilight. I don't want to be defending any of the choices that Stephanie Meyer makes in the writing because boy howdy does she make some choices. Boy howdy does she make some choices. But, Here's the thing. If you're going to trash it, you have to trash it right. Exactly. You have to know what you're trashing. And, like, you have to know what's a salient point and what's just uh, pop culture garbage that you got from, like, the late night show six years ago. Edward, yes, is incredibly creepy. He watches Bella sleep. He like hisses at people he's he recites poetry and he's so dramatic but first off no one even ever brings up the poetry like even bringing up the fact that he watches her sleep even that's like you know on the typical iceberg chart it's not the level zero it's not above water most people actually, at this point, don't know that he watched her sleep. Which just shows that they don't, they know literally nothing, because that's like 20 minutes in. Yeah. But, he, Edward, is 17. Edward's 17. Yes, he's been alive, well, he's been a vampire for a hundred years, but he's 17. When you get turned, your body is frozen at that age. So forever, he is a 17-year-old guy. Yes, he's smart because he's had 100 years worth of studying. And yes, he's watched culture change. He's been present as culture has changed. So he knows what flies and what doesn't. He knows how to act. But he's 17. This is possibly... This is his first known love. 
He's never experienced, probably, romantic feelings before. And he's 17. He's, he's gonna be with weird. Vampire powers. Exactly. Exactly. He walks into school acting like hot shit. He recites poetry. He he acts cold and aloof. Because that's what 17-year-olds think is cool. I was once a 17-year-old guy. And let me tell you, that's what 17-year-olds think is cool. And as for the watching her sleep part... This is the Snack Master reporting in from the future when I'm editing this incredibly long file. And... A couple of times, Discord got all weird and choppy and glitchy, so, uh, you can just skip ahead about, uh, 32 seconds, I think? 32-ish to 45 seconds, and then it should go back to normal. Or you can listen carefully and try to decipher what I'm saying. I mean... I'm gonna talk his first crush. He doesn't like when he his idea man's he has is still rooted in the 1900s. Like the most fly thing he knows how to do is steal a kiss when daddy isn't looking. You know? drink sweet tea on the porch or whatever he says at their honeymoon so like he doesn't sleep he doesn't sleep so he can't like take a nap and just dream about them being together so i i'm not defending him but like no one stops him that and like the only people that all of the Cullens ever spend any time around for a significant amount are their own family. So their and, sense of social grace is going to be a little skewed. And everyone in the family, like, already has someone. So, like, he doesn't really have anyone to confide with, anyone to talk with about it. Because they've all been in relationships for, like, you know, a hundred years. Yeah. Um. And, oh man, I just thought of this. Alice probably gassed him up. He's like, oh man, that girl, Bella, like, she's pretty cute, yo. And Alice is like, hey, you can do literally anything because you're going to get married to her. You two end up together. To quote Riverdale, you, you two, two are, are endgame. End you two are endgame. So, like, he probably didn't have any doubts about, like, we all have those weird intrusive thoughts. Like, you see someone, you're like, oh, weird thought just entered my head. Oh, but here's my rational mind saying, hey, shut up, intrusive thought. That's weird. Edward doesn't have that. Because Alice is there blocking that thought. She says, hey, do it, do it, do it. 
You can watch, you can literally break into Bella's room and like brush her hair. And you still are, you two are still going to get married in one year. In one calendar year, she'll oh be walking God. down the aisle with oh you. Oh God, it's a fucking year. It's, that's the sort of thing where like, you don't, it seems like a normal, like, you know, romance trope, a normal supernatural romance trope too, to get married relatively quickly after you find out each other's secrets. But then you find out Stephanie Meyer's like Mormon upbringing and they get married young. They start families young and the question just worms its way into your head. How much of that is influenced? How much of Edward doesn't want to turn her until after she's married? He has to save her purity until after she's married. And they get married as soon as they're out of high school. How much 100%. of that? 100%. Right. Not, not casting aspersions to my Mormon friends. Like, I'm not putting you down. I'm just saying, like, I think that might be where a bit of this comes from. Yeah. You know? Like, for the most part, if it was any other religion or, you know, even if it was completely not influenced at all by her upbringing, they, either this would have been set when they were in college or the series would have been broken up over a longer period of time and they would have gotten married after they graduated college. Yeah. But specifically the fact that they got married so young, like right after high school, that's, I feel like that's definitely something that's very influenced. You know, I'm trying to think, I'm thinking about like, if other if other religions influenced it how would it have been framed and well all right just hear me out on this i swear this isn't this isn't supposed to be bad but it might come across as bad but i feel like if she was um oh no oh oh i'm showing my lack of knowledge uh I don't want to say if she was Muslim, like, because I know that there's like a whole bunch of different types. Like, I'm not talking about Sharia, because I can't even, there's so much to that that I don't even know where to start. But like, the other one, the other very popular one that, like, the followers of that branch of Islam, they tend to like immigrate to the west more often you know what i mean it's the other one sunni yeah. is that them i want to say i think the two i remember are sunni and shia yeah uh yeah um i feel like even though the like the sunni god i really hope that i'm right here <laughs> even though like those followers are like they're incredibly chill. They are so chill. I've never met one rude Sunni. But 
I feel like still that would end up just being 365 days. Have you ever have you ever seen that? Have you ever heard of that movie? I think it was I think a book so, no. too. Oh man! Guess what? We're we are another step removed from Twilight on that front because it's fan fiction of uh, Fifty Shades. Except, what if? And like, it's I. They are all Mitter, Middle Eastern. The cast is all Middle Eastern. Um, I don't think the author is, which is weird. But not even looking at that, because that's really weird. But, like, if you think that Fifty Shades had too much consent, then 365 Days is for you. Uh, boy. It's bad, yo. It's bad. It's so bad. Oh, but I feel... I feel like that's sort of the direction that would end up going. Yeah. Um, but like, none of the, I specifically say that it's not Sharia because like the women for as non-present as all of the other female characters are besides the lead. Um, they're all relatively modern. Like, they all have jobs. They all have, like, you know... Like, I think the the lead character is, like, a high-ranking CEO girl boss type. So, like, if you were to stop the movie after maybe ten minutes, that's pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> I guess you have... Uh, if you do that, you still have to cut out... The main character, like the main guy, watching his father be murdered on a beach, and then um, non-consensually having relations with a female flight attendant on his private plane. You have to like skip the first five minutes, watch the five minutes with the female lead, and then stop as soon as they meet each other. Yeah. Hey, it's not good. I don't recommend watching it. It's really bad. I don't like it. Man, yeah. That's... Yikes. Uh, so, uh... Christians and Catholics. I feel like Catholic... Catholic, uh, Catholic Twilight would be... a bit stricter than Christian Twilight, depending on how Christian Smire was. If she was like a deep Southern Baptist, then it would be the same. Except when, uh, except when Tyler almost hit Bella with his van, he would have been killed. <laughs> he would have been given the death sentence instead of just an awkward time in the lunchroom the next day. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but like, more northern Christian Stephanie Meyer would be like you said earlier, probably they would just be in college. It would be Twilight, except they're in college. Yeah. Which that would means... cut out, it would cut out the whole like, quarter of, uh, was it Eclipse? when Bella and Edward literally spend a quarter of the book 
filling out college admissions applications. It's a lot of the book. Yeah. Oh, I'm going to do this, and I'm going to do this, and then I'm going to do this. Jokes, we're going to get married and pregnant immediately. Although I guess, hmm, being How set much in money? college. How much money do you think the two of them spent on college applications just to not go? Because those See, are expensive. It doesn't matter. Remember, Carlisle's been a doctor ever since... Carlisle's been a doctor ever since he moved to America. And before he was in America, you know, at least pre-Spanish flu. Before that, he was living under the Vatican. He was with the Volturi. The richest, most powerful, second most ancient vampire clan in Twilight Saga canon. Only being, pardon the pun, only being eclipsed by the two Russians who were like related vaguely to Vlad the Impaler. That's the joke she was going for. They, they were they in the books? I remember that they're in the movies. The two Russians that like sat still for so long that they became petrified and then the Volturi came in and took all their lands or whatever. Oh my god. Their Something like their that. Their names were like Their names you know, were like deeply offensive. It's like Ivan and Petrie. Right like come on. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, more more wasted world building right there. Spend all the time focusing on Edward and Bella instead of giving us like political intrigue with Carlisle, who escaped to the United States, but is still being hunted by the Volturi. And like, what's going on with the Russians? The Irish vampire. Where's the rest of them? They're sitting around the campfire talking about like their old war stories. Like, Garrett, the guy who hates the British, he was like, he's from the Revolutionary War. Like, he was, he was from the colonies. And he hates the British. Like, his whole thing is that he kills British people. Those are his only victims. He will only eat, he will only drink the blood of British people because he hates the British. Like, come on, I want a whole side story of that dude. Let's see. What other weird things were there that I thought of? Um, oh yeah, I didn't think of this before, but... I saw online, uh, someone brought up that Esme is the... Renee is supposed to be, like, a decrying, a denouncement, making fun of, like, the modern... Not... You know what I mean. Uh, liberated mother, and Esme is, like, a more traditional mother. The modern woman, always having fun and on the go. Feminism you know, ruined Renee everything. Is all, all Bella can talk about when she thinks of Renee is how she was more of a friend than a mother. Bella always had to take care of her. Rather than the other way around. And Esme is a warm, caring, loving mother who, despite having... 
I think in the books she has like a little more backstory, maybe. In the movies she says three lines total. Like she's she stays at home and she keeps the home front. She keeps yeah. she keeps the whole family together. Wait a minute, I just thought of this. Why wouldn't she be the empath? Why does Jasper the why does Jasper the Confederate have that power? Why doesn't Esme have the power to make everyone happy? That seems like it would be thematically perfect for her. Yeah. I want to say... Okay, it was either Esme or it was Rosalie, but I want to say I think it was Esme. It was! Okay, because each female character is only allowed to have, like, one unique thing about them. And Rosalie's yes, was that yes, when she turned yes, into a vampire, yes, she yes, hunted down yes, her yes, ex-fiancé yes, and all yes. his cronies because they all attacked her. But... <laughs> So, Esme's whole deal was, as a human, she was never able to have children. And then, as a vampire, of course, she couldn't have children still, but that's why, like, she's the matriarch and everything, and she's taking care of all these guys, because it's the closest thing that she has to being able to be a mother. And, obviously, oh my God. making a vampire a baby so is illegal. Not, not, the, not the law. The, uh... Oh... That's, oh man, that's not good. I don't like that. That's weird. Yeah. Or either it was like she couldn't have a baby or she was dying during childbirth and like she lost the kid already, but Carlisle was like, uh. girl, you cute. Be my wife and we'll raise adult children together for all of eternity. And she was like, yeah, okay, whatever. If that's her whole backstory, why isn't she more involved in in uh ratatouille's youth i know that i know that the baby was only a baby for like three days but like rosalie was the one who was super supportive of bella when she was pregnant and took care of rigatoni after bella was you know dead for a week and, like, Esme's whole thing is that she... I know that Rosalie wanted to have a kid before she was, you know, used and killed by her fiancé and his crew. Which, by the way, the movie did that so good when she was hunting down all of them. Oh my god, I could watch that forever. She... She was like a cryptid, man. That's exactly what I would want to do if I was a vampire. She dresses up in her wedding gown and she kills all of those men. Yeah, that was like the one good thing that they did with her. Except, I think... Am I remembering this wrong? She didn't kill her fiancé. She just, like, left him so mentally scarred and tortured that he was taken to an insane asylum for the rest of his days, because that would be so much better than death. I might be remembering that wrong. Uh, I'm, I'm looking at Esme's wiki page now, and it's... So, she was previous... Before she turned into a vampire, when she was a human, she was married to an abuser, found out she was pregnant and ran away, had the kid, but the kid died, and so she was so, like, stricken with grief <sighs> that she threw herself off a cliff and tried to kill herself. Right. 
And when they found her body, they thought she was dead, but she still had just like the slightest, faintest heartbeat. And Carlisle found her and figured out her heart was still beating and went ahead and just transformed her. And then after that, she fell in love with him. And then the rest of what I said was accurate. All right. That's the worst, actually. She was... That's... That could have been done better. Probably. There were a few steps that could have been yeah. done better there. Um... I'm not discounting, like, she ran away from her abuser and the grief that she felt when she lost her child. I'm not discounting that. But, like... There could have been something better that followed that. Not even from, like... Oh my god, not even from, like, a feminist perspective. Just from a writing perspective. The only connection that they make to her knowing Carlisle previously is that he treated her for a broken bone when she was 16. That's the... She was... She was 26 when she was turned. So, Carlisle was just still in town. I guess he liked her enough that he <laughs> knew one way or another he was gonna get her. Say that he was just living in the town, and it was just coincidence. And after he turned Esme, that's when he left the town and moved on, and it was just coincidence. It was just coincidence. That's all. Because otherwise, oh my god. That is... Rosalie. A crime. Yeah, it's bad. Rosalie was canonically born in uh, Rochester, New York. Hey, I saw that when I, when I looked at her wiki page on New Year's Day. I saw that. Shout out. So, um, hey, so, uh, uh, mm, talking about, uh, mm, talking about grooming and, uh, rigatoni, um, first off, I really hate Renesmee's name. That's the worst. That's literally the worst. Oh, yeah, that's so stupid. I really wish that why would she do this? Why would she do this? She specifically mentions Stephanie Meyer, the author, makes the choice to say that in-universe they had considered the name Carly as a as a as a as a combination of Charlie and Carlisle. But instead they went with the significantly worse option of Renesme. Why would you do that in universe? Why would you admit your failings in universe? That's like saying, oh my god. That's like bringing home that's like bringing home a three day old smashed up McDonald's hamburger and saying, hey, I was at this amazing restaurant. This amazing Italian restaurant. I had the most magnificent pasta and the breadsticks were heavenly and they had they have this like revolutionary uh, doggy bag container that keeps everything perfectly temperature and like the takeout dishes they had would keep everything just like perfect and I had so much left over I just threw it in the trash and on my way out I saw a bag sitting 
on sitting next to a bench and I took it and this was in it. Here you go, here's your dinner. Carly's a real normal name. Carly's a real normal name. Renesme is like an OC. So many real normal names that she could have gone with. And she picked Renesme. So yeah, um hey, did you know that the movie actually had to the Breaking Dawn had to take a step? Well, yeah, I think it was Breaking Dawn that explained the process. Um they had to take an extra step and add an extra few lines of dialogue to make it not a literal crime when Jacob imprinted on Renesme. <laughs> yeah. The books did not have this. Like they explained somewhat earlier, like I think in I think in New Moon they spent a little more time explaining what imprinting is because it was brought up with Sam and his wife and uh, Leah. But it was in the movie, they just kind of brushed over it because they didn't think it would be brought up. And then, you know, look at what happens next. But then they get to the movie, they get to Breaking Dawn and they're like, oh, this is literally a crime. This is literally grooming. This is literally a sex crime to, you know, the books actually, the books actually, oh, I forgot about this. Oh, they take a pivot. They take a moment to when someone, it wasn't Seth, it was another young wolf. I think it was one of Jacob's friends who turn into a wolf first. One of them imprints on a four-year-old and they take a beat to actually say this, all right? When Jacob was talking to his bros and they were watching this guy, this like 18 year old play with a four year old, they were just playing at the beach. Um, they complained like they complained on his behalf that he has 14 years of monkitude ahead of him. They complained that he cannot have sex with a four year old and that he has to wait 14 years. So the movies, the movies had to like first omit this because what? Yeah. And and second, after like when he imprinted, and Jacob had a internal monologue explaining to the audience what imprinting is. They had to include the line, "It it doesn't have to be romantic. It can be whatever. It can be a guardian role. It can be whatever they need, and it can change." depending on what they need. So first off, that's still grooming. Yeah. Because the role can change and because there is a literal non-zero, like it's it's 100% what we see. Imprint, like imprinter and imprintee. They always end up in a relationship together. Um, they, <clears throat> God. Because it can change. Because he won't always be Renesmee's guardian. He will, it will eventually change. And we see this 
We see this at the end in Alice's vision. They end up as romantic partners. That's grooming. Yes, she ages faster. Yes, she will be physically and mentally 18 in like a month because Stephanie Meyer just wants to hit the fast forward on that. That doesn't change the fact that it's grooming. She could be a child for an hour before she just magically evolves like using a fuck using an evolutionary stone on a Pokemon. Or it could be a full 18 calendar years. That doesn't change anything. Jacob grooms Renezme. For eternity, mind you. They both live forever. Uh, yeah, they do. Cause like I could see where, in the book, you could read the line with Seth and the four-year-old with a different tone, like, oh, you know, it's, because I don't remember how exactly it's worded, but, like, if no, you read it with a- No, I do. I do, because it is so, it is vile. I literally had to stop. I had to stop and, like, put it down and go for a walk. He has- the only, the only thing I don't remember is the exact number, because I can't remember the age of the toddler they were talking about. He has 14 or 15 or, you know, whatever. He has years of monkitude ahead of him. That is word for word what they say. Yeah, that, no, that's bad. Because, like, what I was thinking was... If it was phrased a different way and the implication was like, oh, you know, it's a shame that he didn't imprint on someone who's closer to his age because it would just make life easier and things less awkward instead of oops, you know, but I d no matter how you look at it, it's a bad situation. And here, Discord lost another about 45 seconds of conversation where... We start talking about how Jacob Black, yes, he's 16 and horny, but he does commit sexual assault. He forces Bella to kiss him, and it's like it goes away in two seconds, and she punches him, and then it's not talked about again after that. Um, But in the book, it's really concerning because, like... Bella says that she freezes up and her mind goes blank and she just wants it to be end. She just wants it to be over. So she like she goes limp and she stiffens up and she just tries to retreat into her mind and wait it out until it's over. And it was like, oh my god. Stephanie Meyer what are you doing? This is when you write all of those details you are specifically, you are intentionally writing sexual assault. Yeah. But there was that. There was that which made me go, which changed my opinion on Jacob first off. Um, and then there was, there was the, there was the line on monkitude. That's why I keep saying that word. Because that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard, and I've only—I've literally the only time I've ever heard it—the was in the Twilight books. 
the whichever one it was. I it was either new moon or eclipse. I think it was new moon. Maybe the beginning of eclipse. Whatever. Um, yeah, that was the pivotal moment where I completely lost any and all respect for the fictional incarnation of the Quileutes. Like when I had only seen the movie, I had I only had Jacob's line to go off of. They can be whatever. So I would be forced into the stance of defending it when it gets brought up. Again, it's only ever brought up by people who don't actually know anything about Twilight. They just heard about it somewhere online. Because people who know anything about Twilight try not to talk about it. Like, exactly, yeah. Like, if it gets brought up and the this person saw something online, they don't know the context of it and they just say, haha, he's in love with an infant that's so creepy. When you watch the movies, then you take the stance of, no, he's not in love with her, he's her guardian. He says that. He says that imprinting can be romantic or it can be, you know, a protector role. It can be a friend. It can be whatever they need in the moment. And so he would just be her guardian. That's all. And then you read the books and then you realize, oh no, that was changed for the movie because in the books, it is explicitly, it is intentionally, it is purposefully stated to be grooming. I'm not gonna lay a hand on her until she gets older. I and hope so. That's why. Oh, and also, I just want to bring this up because people often... This was used for the trailers, and people try to use this as defense of, like, why Bella actually had feelings for Jacob still in Breaking Dawn Part 1 when they're on the mountain and Bella asks Jacob to kiss her. First off, again, in the book, she says it's like the her physical response is the exact same. At first, she tries to make herself enjoy it, but then she retreats into her mind and goes limp and stiffens up and just wants it to be over. Again, specifically sexual assault. But people say that because she asked him to kiss her, she actually still had feelings for him. But if you read the paragraph before, or if you listen to the words in the movie, five, six seconds before, Jacob says, well, if you don't have romantic feelings for me, maybe I'll go kill myself. Maybe I'll go down to that vampire battle and I will let a vampire kill me. Then your life would be easier, wouldn't it? Because then you wouldn't have to feel anything for me. Unless... Unless... You ask me to kiss you. You know what we call that? You know what... You know what we call that in the field of being educated and knowing things? You know, there's a term for that. Sexual assault by coercion. And again, Jacob's like, 
16 years old. So he's not inherently... I feel weird defending him after all that. He's not inherently a scumbag because he's 16. He's a stupid kid who's being dramatic, but needs to take a step back. Yeah. In-universe, in-universe, he's not a scumbag. Because, again, being 16, like, 100%, you get rejected, you're like, Ugh, this is it. I guess I'll go die. This is it. This is the end of my life. It hurts. It cuts deep, and you act stupid. But... When you take a step out into the real world and you think about the fact that a grown woman is making her characters do this and say this and well, first off, that's weird enough to begin with, even if they were going to be punished for it. But then they're not punished for it. No one in this universe is punished for any of their litany of crimes. In fact, after the first case of assault, when Jacob drives Bella back home, Charlie literally says, attaboy. And this is why I hate knowing things about Twilight. This is why I hate that I've read the books now. Because I have like evidence and I have things that I can point to, things that were omitted from the movies reasons that I have to like or dislike certain scenes. And if I bring it up, like, we have we have some friends who have seen the movies once and not in a marathon, just like spread throughout the years. They've seen each of the movies once. And so like, they'll occasionally bring something up. And like, no matter what I say on it, I sound like a, you know, a stan. Because I know all of this stuff. I'm not, I'm not a huge Twilight super fan. I just enjoy the movies and I read the books, you know, six months ago. We are also both just burdened with the curse of knowledge. Yeah. I swear I'm not, there are very few things that I'm like a huge, massive super fan of that I would go to the ends of the earth to defend. I just... When it comes to stupid, irrelevant media, I have a god-tier memory. Uh... Hey, you know what I liked from the books, though? Huh. This wasn't brought into the movies. Oh, I just hit my desk. This wasn't brought into the movies, but... Um... Bella, because she shares a lot of classes with him, spends a lot of time with Mike Newton and works at Mike Newton's family uh, sports store. And because Edward can't read her mind, Edward's genuinely jealous. He's constantly throwing out petty little snide remarks. Oh, were you, were you spending the day with Mike Newton? She's like, no, I was at work. I work at his mom's store. Mike was out of town. What are you, what are you talking about? And Edward smirks. And it's like, oh my god, he's so 17. Got him. Based and rebuild. You didn't talk to me in class today. Were you busy thinking about Mike? We had an exam. Huh. 
I bet you would say that. Shut up! Shut the hell up! <laughs> the first Twilight movie, was it even two hours? I think it's the only movie that wasn't a full two hours. I think it was, like, a little bit short. Yeah. If, if they would have added in, like, ten minutes of Edward just actually being a stupid 17-year-old, a stupid, jealous 17-year-old, that would have made it so much better. It would have made it, like, a comedy legend. Yeah, I want to say... Because there's a lot of stuff just in that first book that would not translate onto screen. Just, like, a lot of world building and backstory and scene setting, all that kind of stuff. So it didn't have mm -hmm. as much in it to turn into a movie as the other ones did. A lot, a lot more inner thoughts. Like, not to, not to slam Kristen Stewart, because in her other works, she's, like, incredible and expressive. But... As Bella Swan, she's constantly baffled and, like, Bella hardly ever seems to know what's going on. And when she tries to say something, it seems like she's trying to, without using her hands, she's trying to remove a cotton ball from her mouth. I'll give you a second to try and picture, like, any of the times that she talks. Just think about it. She's trying to remove a cotton ball from her mouth without using her hands. Yeah, I kind of see it. Once I read the books, like, she actually... She has a lot of internal monologue in all of those scenes where it looked like you just... It looks like she just got the eye exam with the puff of air in the eye. And she's like, No! In all, in all those types of scenes. Like, in the book, actually, she thought, she had like two full pages of thoughts. She ran through like whole courses of dialogue. And then like, the, you know, the outcomes of what, yeah. no, I can't, I can't be apart from him. But if I say that, then he'll think I'm clingy. And if he thinks I'm clingy, then he's gonna be disgusted and repulsed by me because he's so much better than me and I'm I'm absolutely nothing. And he's gonna, he's gonna leave and he's gonna move on and find someone better, someone more fitting for him. And then she stammers out in real life, not in her mind. She's like, uh, no way, I'll see you later. In the books, she's like a real character. She's like, nervous and terrified she's a you know she's a 17 year old girl who thinks that she's dating someone out of her league in the movies she's just there yeah oh my god i just thought about this sorry to sorry to like dominate and just keep veering off in all sorts of directions i hate the direction that powers took yeah like at first Edward, you know, Edward can read minds, and Bella is a shield. She resists all mental powers, and Jasper can control emotions, which is never used in the movies. Um, Jane can psychically inflict pain. She doesn't cause physical damage, but, like, she triggers the part of the brain that, f like, you know, when it receives chemicals, it makes pain in this body part, you know? It's the part of whatever. She activates the pain in your brain. Like, all of the powers were, like, psychic-based and stuff, right? 
For the most part, yeah. Aside from, like... I want to say, I think... Edward was a little bit faster than the rest of them, and, like, Emmett was a little bit stronger. But I don't know how much of that is, like... I don't think those are, like... power versus yeah, just, like, those, body type. Those aren't powers, per se. It's just, like, the supernatural ability, the supernatural enhancement that all vampires get. It's just, it's just variants. Just like, you know, I'm faster than you, IRL. If we were vampires and we were both super speed, I would still be faster than you. Yeah. But like, then we meet other vampires with powers, you know, way later on. And like, yeah, sure, Arlo can. All right, so I want to I want to make a quick aside and a quick pit stop and say that Alice's powers are actually pretty dope because she was just straight up in Esper. She when she was human, she could literally just see the future. And that was just like improved when she became a vampire. After her whole tragic not shown in the movies backstory. Um and uh, da, 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 da. Charlie Sheen, not Charlie Sheen, Martin Sheen. Was that him? Uh, the Volturi leader, Arlo? That was him. That's his name, Arlo. Yeah. Arlo can use other people's powers by touching them. It's like, all right, that's cool. These are all like psychic. These are all mental powers. I'm with it. All right. But then there's the one Volturi who like can make shadows and like completely envelop people in dark gas. And it's like, what's going on here? He He's generating gas from his fingers and he can withdraw it. It doesn't just dissipate, it goes back into his fingers. Because like, for the most part, the powers were based on some kind of innate trait some kind of skill that they had when they were human so where yeah. does that come from i'll even make an exception for two of carlisle's friends the the other russians the blonde russian girls the one the one has like bioelectricity which you know if you've if you've read miles morales's spider-man at all then like it just makes sense. Like, the actual comic run explains how it happens, but basically it's just the natural bioelectricity, and her version of it is the exact same as Miles. Just, she can take that natural bioelectricity and just put it outside instead of inside. So, like, that's still using intrinsically her own body, her own powers, her own abilities. Then there's the other person i think i think they were like the brazilians who can blind someone they take away their sight for a bit and it's like okay that's sort of like jane's except instead of making pain you are taking away the optical nerve you're t you're shutting down that part of the brain okay and then we have rami islak is that his name it's very close to it. Um, then we have him. He's the Avatar. I hate that so much. 
that that's my least every time I think about vampire powers that's the one that I hate the most it's not even thematic like we'll give the exception for the one guy in the Volturi having the shadow powers and everything because like they're vampires yeah sure shadows yeah, I mean like it. we could yeah the shadows and like they're dark and they uh they do ever their whole thing their whole thing the reason for their organization is to suppress the knowledge of their existence so like sure he makes shadows he can like envelop people in the darkness and take away all of their senses sure the avatar i can i can command fire water earth air lightning Yes, it was just in Alice's vision, but it was still Alice's vision. This is the future that would have happened. He punches the ground and he opens up a tectonic plate. He causes a crack across an entire plane that vampires and wolves fall into. Like, that's not just minor manipulation. If it was just small stuff, like he can make a tiny little tornado in his hands. He can make a little fire from his fingertips. I would- And once again, Discord lost about five minutes of conversation here. Although, we just continue talking about vampire powers. You can kind of fill in the blanks. You know, I had the thought. So, with the Shadow Volturi guy, just, you know, to keep going back to that one. You could almost argue that that one is, uh, like, psychic or mental as well. Because everything that we get is from Bella's perspective. So, like, as he is producing these shadows and this gas and everything... What if it's just a projection into everyone's minds? And when people get knocked yeah. out, he's, you know... It is shutting off a certain part of the brain, and everything else is just an illusion. I'm willing to accept that. I'm... Yeah, you know what? We can just say, yeah, it's because... I mean, have you seen the way the Volturi dress? He doesn't just inflict the psychic effect onto his victim, he also puts out a low-level telepathy field so that everyone in the vicinity, they see the vision of the dark shadow smoke coming from his fingers. It's a flare of the dramatic. It's a prestidigitation. Exactly. It's not really there, but just because they're such dramatic they are vampire theater nerds but avatar guy breaks every single one of the rules no matter what literally no matter what all right my laptop is dying so i will close us out on this thought wouldn't it be hilarious so like it's stated like when when Bella gives birth um Edward beforehand tells her that like at the last moment they'll turn her using 
the venom using Edward's venom that um because Carlisle apparently drains the venom from all of the other vampires like just to make sure they don't accidentally turn someone they regularly have to just like I don't know spit yeah. into a bucket or something because all of allegedly all of their vampire all of their body fluids are replaced by their vampire venom right and we're just gonna we're gonna go ahead and hand wave away all of the numerous inconsistencies with that idea up to this point we're gonna we're gonna wave that away um wouldn't it just be the absolute literal funniest thing if Bella got turned on their honeymoon. And I'm not talking about his vamp, his virile vampire venom. Hint, hint. I'm not talking about his, I'm not talking about his jizz. No. Like, I'm gonna go ahead and mentally, like, this is the, this is a concession that I've made. I don't care exactly what Stephanie Meyer said. I have to ignore word of God in order to make their honeymoon track consistently. So, male vampires, I'm just gonna go ahead and hand wave away and say, no, their semen is not replaced with vampire venom, but it, it's still just regular old male semen. But it can only impregnate their soul match or whatever the word is because at some point someone meant someone puts an exact specific term on it i think it's actually when they go to the volturi when edward asks the volturi to kill him and bella shows up and like he's super defensive of her and arlo reads his mind and arlo voices to everyone that bella is his whatever word they use, it's in practice a soulmate. And have a vampire finding their soulmate is rare because, you know, vampires live so much longer than humans. So that makes sense, right? That tracks. I hand wave away that vampires can only oh God. reproduce with their soulmates their own personal brand of heroin. Remember that line? Yeah. So that like that feeling, that compulsion towards each other is how you know that you found your soulmate. And I my mental, my headcanon is that vampires can only reproduce with their soulmate. You know, male vampire, female human, human vampire, I mean, jeez. Oh female vampire, human male, whatever. They can only reproduce with their soulmate, which is why it's only happened twice before. Because it is rare, it is unspeakably rare for a vampire to find their soulmate. So, we've we've now hand-waved away the vampire semen turning Bella into a vampire. That's gone. But we know that Edward is not a giving lover. Edward is not generous. He's not concerned with Bella's satisfaction. You know how we know this? Because he's a 17-year-old boy? Yes, you got me there. 
<laughs> you got me there, actually. I don't even need to bring this up. You got me on that one. Um, what I was gonna say before you just absolutely kneecapped me there. Um, because his spit would have turned her. His spit is venom. Oh. Yep. 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 <laughs> Which, you know, if they they kissed before, they kissed before. So like. Oh, they had some heavy makeout looked. sessions. So she just like finished up there and then spit on the ground or whatever. Like, oh, gotta be careful with this. Um, I think it's, oh man. Their kissing must have been just unspeakably unpleasant because if Carlisle has been draining all of their vampire venom and venom replaces most of their bodily fluids, and we know from the biting part that spit, spit canonically is vampire venom. We know this from every single bite ever. Um, yeah, that means that Edward would have had a mouth as dry as sandpaper. He would have just, like, coated everything in chapstick before. Like, oh man, we talk about how vampires like physically feel like statues because they're always in rigor mortis but yeah that's word of god by the way um but like it would have been like kissing a statue too because he has no spit oh i have my computer just so elegantly notified me i have eight percent battery Kissing Edward. Sorry, Robert Pattinson, but like, kissing Edward must have just been unpleasant. Boring. Yeah, it's it's quarter to one here. I still have to work in the morning, so I should probably pack it in too. All right. Well, this has been an absolutely interesting episode to record. Thank you very much for joining me on this very special vampire episode. The lion, the lamb, and the horse. <sighs> oh, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Wait, wait, wait. Oh man, I can't find the quote on this on Goodreads.com. Um, we, our family, we call ourselves vegetarians. It's a sick joke, isn't it? You know, because... Vampires usually eat humans, but instead of eating humans, we subsist on animals. It's like a human trying to live on tofu. It keeps you full, but never satisfied. Something like that. Yeah. Alright, you wanna you wanna say the sign off? Do you remember it this time? I do remember it. I also just want to bring up, you know, 
During the holidays, you could have absolutely used the line, Stay Merry, and you never did. Well, I have to, I guess this podcast has to keep going for another year. <laughs> All right. All right. Do the honor. Yeah. At least for today's episode, for everyone out there, stay happy, stay healthy, stay crispy. Share this with your local Twilight enthusiast. Crypt lover. No. Share this with the cryptid themselves. If you see anyone who acts weird, anyone who stands in a high school parking lot and just stares at someone in the pouring rain, share this podcast with them. Just walk in their line of sight and say, Hey, I noticed you staring at that teenage girl really hard. You want to listen to this podcast episode? To all a good night.